Hello and welcome to episode 166 of the NFL Scotland podcast. The NFL London games are done for another year. Week 6 is in the bag. My name is Cameron Hobbs. Paul Mitchell is on a bye week this week, so delighted to be joined to pick apart all the pieces, to give out your awards and look forward to week 7 by Gordon McGuinness and Ian Stephen from the NFL Scotland podcast team. Good evening, gents. Hello. Hello. Nice to have you back. So let's get straight into it. Uh, London games are done. We'll talk about that in a little bit more detail shortly, I'm sure. We'll be talking about our awards nice and early. But week six headlines for you guys, what was the, the biggest takeaway? And I'm not talking about the Chinese you had on Saturday night. <laughs> I I think for me the biggest takeaway was how badly the, char- uh, the Cardinals beat down on the Browns, uh, despite the fact they were missing their coaches. Now, I know the Browns were missing players as well. Um, and I think Baker Mayfield's injury probably played a big role in that. But outside of the Baker Mayfield Hail Mary at the end of the half, Browns really didn't feel like they were in that game at all. Um, and I think that happens. You know, both both of the games that I thought were probably game of the week contenders were that and Baltimore LA. Both were complete blowouts. So, you know, that's that the the headline for me is probably just surprise, surprise blowouts, because I really didn't expect either of those games to go that way. Ian, for you? Um, for me, it was the kind of the old Scottish football analogy of uh, you sack a manager and you immediately start winning. And I think that was the case for the Raiders. I think everyone thought that they were going to struggle with Gruden uh, disappearing from the fold, but they looked uh, a lot better than they ever did with him as our head coach. Seven out of seven of us, of us on this podcast team picked the Broncos to win that game. So seven out of seven of us looked like dickheads because the Raiders were tremendous. Uh, and you're right. I think people were expecting them to to kind of stink it up a little bit. Like, you know, a transition, a franchise in turmoil, all the usual tropes that go with that. But they, were, they played some really nice stuff as well. Like, they really stuck it to the Broncos, who have been pretty good themselves. So... Yeah, there's definitely signs of hopes. Maybe they'll be better for getting rid of Gruden, you know? A lot of people, um, some of the fans, well, most of the fans, I think, were happy to see him go. Uh, I know of a couple of fans that were sort of, from a pure where they were as a coach and consistency point of view, a little worried about what that would bring. I think that that worry goes away a long way because of that performance. The argument could be made that they've actually stumbled into something incredibly beneficial because... Once the coaching merry-go-round starts, it's the team that's got the the latest uh, invite to the soiree, shall we say, that that struggles to get the the dynamic new young coordinator into the fold. And with the Raiders losing Gruden, uh, Gruden so early on, they can immediately start doing the homework and they can really focus in and getting the person that they want, the kind of key kind of. Um, young talent, be it Kellen Moore from the Cowboys or Byron Leftwich from the um, the Buccaneers, they can make a, an early kind of move on getting them in. It's the, the teams that maybe they get into the playoffs and they decide after a playoff loss they want to get rid of somebody. That's when they really struggle to find anybody left available. So the Raiders could have actually stumbled into something advantageous here. I think the other good thing with that as well is that with the utmost respect to the Raiders, the 10-year contract they gave Gruden was madness. Yeah. And it was one of those things whereby, you know, up until this season, and they looked pretty good the first couple of weeks of this year, you started to wonder, how are you going to get out of that? 
you know, you're going to fire him and have to pay off like eight years of that contract or six years of that contract. But the way it's it's worked out, I would be very surprised if there was any kind of payoff. I would assume that was like a, a resignation. There was no Steve Bruce seven million seven million pounds for John Gruden. I'm assuming so. They they get out get away from a coach who and let's ignore the off field stuff for a second because everyone knows that you know, that was its own story. They get away from a coach who they'd underperformed under since signing him. So. Uh, I think ultimately there is a good chance that it winds up being to their benefit. Yes, indeed. Um, definitely signs of life there. There was a couple of cracker games as well in amongst all this. So, you know, we talked about uh, the Dolphins-Jags. It was actually a really entertaining game. Uh, and I, the fact that it went down to the wire, there was a, perhaps a worrying sign that the Jacksonville losing streak was going to continue, and then they won it in the most dramatic of factions. Uh, I thought really highly entertaining game. Um the other ones that stood out for me that I thought were really good, Vikings-Panthers was a proper ding-dong. Um, although Robbie Anderson's catching ability was somewhat atrocious, to say the very least. Um, the other one, of course, is the Cowboys-Patriots, which went into overtime a, a thrilling game as well. The The Patriots starting to get into a little bit of a groove, uh, you got to say. Mac Jones starting to look much more natural. And then Bills-Titans, good grief. That game was magnificent as well. So, and again, probably a surprising outcome. I, I don't know. I, I don't know how I've kind of missed it. But the Titans now sitting at four and two. I've kind of felt like they've not been that great. Uh, Derek Henry aside, yet they're still at four and two. Um, you know, they've played games with wide receivers. I think that loss to the Jets has kind of maybe tarnished my opinion of them slightly. But they're playing some great stuff as well. So, some yeah, Derek Henry's just a joy to watch as well. And you guys know I am. Not a fan of a game plan, which is turn and hand the ball to a running back. But there's a case to be made that Derrick Henry is is different. You know, a, a different case study in that sense. He's just, he's so fast. He's so big. He just runs people over. It's one of those things whereby I think he's the only running back in the NFL who can take over a game with his rushing ability. Because if he gets a couple of runs into the second level, a defense all of a sudden just doesn't want to see him again because he's going to run. You know, there was a point where it was Mario Addison, the defensive lineman for the uh, Bills, that he just stiff armed it. I think the run went for a loss, but he stiff armed him to the ground in the backfield like he was nothing. That's a defensive lineman. So uh, he's, he's great fun to watch. I, I think they're probably going to be the team that come out of that division because it's not good. Um, it's them or the Colts. Um, yeah, he's the type of player who I think once you get to the playoffs, all bets are off a little bit. You know, we saw him take over the game against the Ravens two years ago and then they shut him down this year. He gets a game where he gets a couple of big runs at people. That's that's what you want in the playoffs. It's, do you know, it's an interesting one with the Titans and possibly not because of the, the whole bye situation, but um, they're good enough that they're going to have won that division well before Christmas, I would imagine. I can't see any see, of the other teams. May, maybe not, because the Colts have shown signs of life the last couple of weeks. Wentz has looked okay. Mm. So I do I do wonder if it's not going to be as easy. But um, No, you're right. And I'm definitely, as a Niners fan, worried about facing the Colts this weekend. I definitely, you know, that's not, that's not an easy game. I'm definitely worried about that. Um, I think, though, that the Titans could be in that situation. If you've got Derrick Henry in fantasy, the, you know, you might be playing your 
year finals with him not seeing a lot of snaps because they're resting him for the postseason. With that extra game this year, you don't want to get a banged up Derrick Henry. Um, who knows? But certainly, they look utterly unstoppable when he's in the mood. When he breaks through that line, it's absolutely unreal. He's just a, a momentum carrier, uh, an absolute boulder of a human being. Um well- what I thought was interesting was watching that that game. It felt like we were in the middle of January and we were maybe in a divisional playoff round because both teams were incredibly physical and they were knocking the living daylights out of each other. It, it felt like a playoff game in a cold weather, cold weather stadium. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it was excellent. Absolutely excellent. I also, I loved Sean McDermott's decision to go for the touchdown at the end because for, for the Derek Henry reason, your, your team's been beaten up a little bit by trying to tackle Derek Henry all game. You get to wait in the fourth quarter. You know one snap in overtime and Derek Henry can take it to the house. I we, we've seen coaches get way more aggressive with that stuff. And, and there is always the, the hindsight analysis afterwards, whereas everyone's like, oh, he should have never gone for that because, you know, if he just kicks the field goal, he goes to overtime. It's a yard. He needed a yard. He's got a nice tall quarterback who can who can gain that yard and they just didn't on this occasion so I, I loved his decision to go for it um, and I, I'd love to see those teams match up again in the playoffs Yeah, I, I would quite like to see them in the playoffs as well and I wouldn't be surprised to see them face off against each other in the postseason, um, I think you're bang on um, and it did have that feel, it was, it was competitive right down to the wire and again, the Bills are another team that I think that they'll win their division nice and early I think that they'll they'll be in the postseason by Christmas for sure. So that'll be interesting to see what they do when they get into those 15, 16, 17-week games. Um, lots to go there. Right, do you know what we're going to do nice and early? Because we're a wee bit further away from the, the week than we normally are when we record. We're going to go straight into the awards. So we'll start off with the Loch and Belter nominations. I'll read out a few, and then we can share ours. So... Um, let's start first of all a couple of people calling out Aaron Rodgers Matt McLachlan Kenny Law I think Kenny Law puts it best for saying reminding the Bears fans who owns their franchise um, Peter Joyce gives one to Cooper Cup for continuing to win him his fantasy matchups Cooper Cup having an amazing season there are multiple nominations for Derek Henry Greg Keenan Alex Beaton Paul Kelly David Drybrush on Black Ross Sterling um but I think, you know, David Drybrow just says, dominant game vis the Bills. It's looking like he will carry the Titans to the playoffs once again. Uh, Sean Black says, can he be stopped? He's carrying the Titans on their back and should be a legit MVP contender. Um, a number of nominations for Matthew Wright, uh, the kicker for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Sarah Ross says, Matthew Wright, the Jags kicker, not the bell end of Channel 5. Three out of three on field goals, a 54-yard kick, and then a 53-yard kick to win the game in the last second. Uh, Mike Harris says, kicking two 50-plus field goals to win a game in London in just your third game was incredible. Also ended an amazing day at the Spurs Stadium. Probably won himself that job. A uh, whole other people have nominated him. Max Crosby gets a couple. Three sacks, five quarterback hits, one tackle for a loss, and one pass defended, bossing it again. Um, just having a look here. Trevon Diggs gets a whole load again. So David Old, Barry Patterson, Fergus McIntyre says, seventh pick through six games and the same number of TDs on the year as his brother. Cameron Christie gives one to Zach Ertz for starting the week off two and four and ending the week six and oh. <laughs> Uh, your thoughts on the trade, Ian? I've been kind of um, 
rumoured for about two years um, now. I think um, as good as Ertz is, um, as a receiving tight end, his blocking's terrible, and I think the Eagles uh, preferred Dallas Goddard. Um, when you take into consideration the, the price of Ertz, if you're going to have to extend his contract. So um, I think people were just surprised that they ended up actually getting something for him in the end because they were looking at T. Gown coming out of the draft. They had him as a, a third-round draft pick and he slipped. So I think the Eagles are quite happy with the business that they did. Um, and he's still got to fit into the uh, Cardinals um, team. There's no guarantee that he's going to mesh in there seamlessly. So um be interesting to see how well he does. Yes, absolutely. A couple other nominations. Alan Black gives one to the Raiders after uh, after the dump show targeting by Goodell and NFL to come out and play like that. Um, okay. Um, and then there's one for Kevin Harlan from Patrick Wilson for his call of the Jags field goal that looked like it was going wide right before swerving back in. The game is always entertaining with Harlan on comms. Uh, just seeing if there's any others. Duncan Smart gives on to Tershawn Wharton, uh, the defensive tackle for the Chiefs. Suction cup hands on a big man interception any normal-sized bloke would be proud of. A um, couple of very good nominations there. Guys, who is your um, Loch Lomond belter of the week this week? Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go for a player that's uh, very much maligned in uh, Kirk Cousins. Um, I thought he was absolutely fantastic. Thirty-three out of forty-eight um, passes completed for three hundred and seventy yards and three touchdowns, and a, a very impressive overtime win for the Vikings against the, the Panthers. So I think it's definitely got to go uh, to Cousins, in uh, my opinion, for this week. Gordon, I, I think Cousins also has. Um had a really good season so far as well. Like I think it's definitely been underrated. People aren't really... So I think because of the way the, the Vikings started the season. I I think you have a choice between two here, and I think it's either Derek Henry for his dominant Monday night football performance, but I think, I think Aaron Rodgers has to edge it for telling the Bears fans that he owns them and he still <laughs> owns them. Like, it's just... It's just absolute nonsense that is the absolute right type of stuff that you need to be doing. Um, and apparently it was because he looked up and he saw that some woman was sticking her fingers up at him. So he just went on this rant and I just think it's great. It's a, in in a year whereby, you know, we're uh, flagging players for taunting, for banging into each other while staring at them, for Aaron Rodgers to go into that end zone and scream, I own you, I still own you. <laughs> I think, I think in Charles Patterson's honour, I have to have to go for Aaron Rodgers. I did see um, a number of people tweet that you know Aaron Rodgers had single-handedly found a loophole to the taunting rule, just taunt the taunt the crowd, not the opposition. Uh, just go straight to the crowd, get to them. Um, this is a tough one because there's a lot of really good nominations. I really like the Cousins one. Uh, I think that's a solid shout because you're right, he is much maligned, and that Panthers defence has been particularly good this year. Um, cousin, uh, cousins, Rogers definitely a contender as well. I, I think Matthew Wright is absolutely in that conversation. I think to go in and do what he did in London in his third game was tremendous. To break the Jags' winning uh, losing streak, sorry, as well, massively significant. Uh, in the Florida Derby, played in North London. We need to pick someone though. So, okay, I'm going to cast a vote. I'm going to give it to Kirk Cousins. Um, I think it, tremendous. I think he played really well. I think Ian's bang on. So, congratulations, Kirk Cousins. We're going to raise a dram. 
because you're the Loch Lomond belter of the week. On to Bobag nominations then. Uh, and there's a few. Um, I'll, I'll come on to one towards the end, but let's get through because um, there's 11 people all nominated the same person or people, group of people. The other one's still. Gareth King, he gives one for Brian Flores. Pointless challenges which cost the Dolphins a win and leaves them behind the Jets now. Uh, Darren Barry, he gives one to Dan Campbell for throwing Jared Goff under the bus after another defeat. Yes, the lines are utter dross, so accept the first-round pick for next season and trade Goff away. His trade stock will be worth squat if you keep blaming it on the players. Gavin Newlands, he says DK Metcalf for having a go at Shannon Sharp on Twitter, basically saying that he couldn't touch him and calling him washed up, only then to realise that Shannon Sharp did indeed have a career that he can only pray for at the moment. A couple of nominations for Patrick Mahomes' family. David Old puts it best. Jackson Mahomes, completely disrespectful what he did on the sideline at Washington, especially on the same day Washington retired Sean Taylor's number. It was. Hang on, though. Hang on. There is a there is a massive asterisk for that. Right. So, Jackson Mahomes is a bobback. Like that's as a starting point. That's absolutely fine. He does this TikTok stuff. It's it's bizarre. All that stuff. Where he was and where he did his little TikTok dance was exactly where the Washington football team had the VIPs sitting, standing. They had them. They had them marked off in a section where the Sean Taylor thing was. They also had a presentation in front of Portaloos. They had a picture beforehand where the owner was wearing a hoodie. I think that this became a Jackson Mahomes as as the ball bag thing. And I mean, I've got absolutely no issue with him being a ball bag. I don't think he's the biggest ball bag in that situation. Okay. <laughs> Fair. Jamal Adams gets a couple here. Patrick Watson puts it best, although Mike Harris and Fergus McIntyre are also nominated. But Patrick says, declaring himself the best in the nation, despite being ranked 62 out of 85 by PFF, then what should have been an interception smacked straight off his head? Jets won, Seattle nil. Stephen Murray gave what Now, Kirk Cousins didn't get a single nomination in the belter, but he got one in the ball bag. So Stephen Murray says, three interceptions in the first half, giving the game away. Kirk must feel obliged to be generous to others like the Vikings are with his wages. Secondary nomination for being so bad that he steals the nomination from Aaron Aaron Jones's woeful performance. <laughs> I, I'm worried that Stephen's nominated on a different week. <laughs> I'm not sure. That's, that's, Aaron Jones was all right this week, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah I have to know. I, he had like not... over 100 yards from scrimmage. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. Anyway. There's a couple here as well. Sean Black gives it to the Tennessee Volunteer fans. Slightly left turn is not NFL related, but the scenes at the Vols Old Miss were terrible. Game played 20 minutes, your own cheerleaders and band have to take cover, and the opposing head coach almost got pelted by a golf ball. I'm all for passion, but this is terrible. Similar scenes in London too. We'll come on to that in a minute. Um, before we get onto that one, though, uh, Sean Breen gives a ball bag nomination to the woman that flipped off Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I don't think she deserves that. I think she's perfectly entitled to do what she did. Um, Barry Patterson, Brian Dandel, Ross Sterling all put forward. Oh, this warms my soul. Russell Wilson. Uh, Barry Patterson says, the guys on IR runs onto the field for the overtime coin toss. Should have, uh, couldn't keep off the TV all night. 
proper tosser. Surprised he didn't do it all in the wheelchair. It's not, um, it's not his fault that the TV cameras follow him. Brian Dando, uh, pre-workout, practicing the huddle, talk, and taking part in the coin toss. Surprised he didn't re-injure his poorly hand. And Ross Sterling says... Who, who, who's, who's Brian Dando's favourite football team? He is a Niners fan, to be fair. Oh, there we go. I don't know about the other two. Ross Sterling says... He's, Ross Sterling's not a Niner. Purely for his pre-game playing the game with no ball with himself. What the hell was he up to? Surely he should be helping Gino instead of making it about himself. For for the record, Drew Brees did the exact same thing a couple of years ago and no one batted him out. Uh, we didn't have a ball bag nomination at that point, else he would have got it. Did he also talk to people that weren't there in a pretend huddle? I, I'm honestly not sure. I mean, that was weird. I'm not, I'm not going <laughs> to... I, I definitely think that was... So, I, for... for I have no clarity issue with the warming up. Anyone. I have no issue with the for, warming up. For, I think it's good for, on him. For clarity for anyone listening, I, I told Cameron earlier this week <laughs> that I'm going to interject anytime he nominates. I see I, I'm banning him from nominating Seahawks players. <laughs> I, I think I think Russell Wilson this week entirely deserves a ball-back nomination. I'm just glad that you didn't put it forward because you're on like a streak of the Seahawks breed. All of a sudden, you were furious. I am so glad that other people put them forward. You've no idea how happy I was <laughs> to see these land in the inbox. Um, I, I, I have no issue with them doing the pregame warm up stuff. None whatsoever, right? I do think the talking to people that weren't there was weird, like doing a pretend huddle and actually talk. What's that? Um, See, what, see, see what's really interesting is a few years back when they started to come to prominence, there was a few stories that were coming out that the kind of Legion of Boom defence didn't really like Russell Wilson. Right. Um, the, the rest of the team weren't taking to him as a teammate. And you kind of, you thought at the time, well, he's a quarterback, he's going to sign a big deal, it's a bit of jealousy. But there does seem to be a bit in that now, watching some very, very bizarre antics and the, I mean fair enough if you're eight and you're doing that like in your back garden with nobody watching that's that's socially acceptable but he must have known there was cameras on and watching them of course he knew of course he knew of course he knew look at the Dak Prescott hip thing that got all the attention Wilson knows how many cameras are on him he knows yeah, I, t- well. I tell you what see if an eight-year-old does that I'm still going to call him a ball bag. <laughs> what well, the it's, pretend huddle part of it, or the yeah? Just, I I can entirely believe that about the Legion of Boom. Though yeah. I can imagine, I can imagine having Russell Wilson as your quarterback is great because he's a very good quarterback. I can also imagine that as a person, he annoys the life out of a lot of people. <laughs> I saw someone say on Twitter that um, injured Russell Wilson is a bigger prick than preseason Russell Wilson, who's utterly insufferable. And I was like, yes, absolutely. Um, for me as well, I didn't like him going out for the coin toss. I really didn't. Gino's got the team there. Gino's, it's Gino's team now, Russell. You gotta let Gino go and do it. And him being there just, for me, sends the wrong message. Like, Going out for the coin toss is what you do with Joe Namath before a Super Bowl, right? You wheel out some old diddy that's not been around for... I can't believe I just called Joe Namath an old diddy. I'm going to get hate mail. Um, but, you know, that's what... I'm Joe. He listens, he listens to the podcast. <laughs> Hi, Joe. 
Um, but I, just, I don't care. I, I don't care about the coin toss. Really. I thought it was a I terrible look. Care. I thought it was a terrible, terrible look. Anyway, right. We'll get on to the the final nomination then, which is, uh, and I'll read out the different names that have been going. Uh, there's eleven in total, I think. So there are the beer chucking fans, beer snakes, Egypts at Spurs Stadium, fans throwing plastic cups at London game, London fans chucking pints, idiotic fans at Tottenham, the wankers who kept throwing cups at Tottenham, the beer chuckers, the beer snake guy. NFL London fans, cup throwers, and the London cup throwers, which is immediately the best franchise name that's been put forward for a UK franchise team. I think the <laughs> London cup throwers is by far the best suggestion I've had so far. Um, there's lots of reasons, you know, no need to throw cups hurtling people. What's the point? Uh, beer snakes, what's the point in them? They're just shit, says Sarah Ross. <laughs> I mean, that's, she's right. Um... Uh, David Drybrush, stupidity from anyone that threw the cups, especially with kids being in the crowd. Hard plastic cups, so they would have been a sore one for anyone who got hit. Um, Mark McEwen, last week folk complained about expensive pints at the game. This week they were chucking it away. Ball bags. Uh, Kenny Lodger says, pure ball bag behaviour launching the cups. Wasn't like the cups were cheap plastic. These things could do some damage. Zero need for it. Don't make snakes. Just watch the game. Certified ball bag rate. Coming back to our earlier point, it was a good game. So there's not really the beer snakes become the new Mexican wave and it can get in the bin for me. I, so, I, I think I understand why people have gone full Bob Agri for all that. I have a level of not sympathy because I think anyone that's stupid enough to throw beer at games is not worthy of sympathy. However, when beer snakes are championed on social media that's wonderful thing that's great and everyone thinks it's great banter shouldn't really be surprised when people start launching yes plastic cups to get involved in those things like just i, I agree though get the get beer snakes directly in there. yes there, there's also a, an an element that took the reaction too far as well like, yes. th- th- don't get me wrong, I would have been miserable and I would have been raging if I'd been about those. Because they are. They're not normal plastic cups. They're heavy plastic cups. Um, heavy. Like, they're going to dunt your head, right? Uh, a couple of stories where people saying that there was a steward had to leave because he'd cut his head, he was covered in blood. And kids leaving because they're scared. That's atrocious, right? That's just stupid, stupid, stupid. So, right, you've fucked up, NFL UK fans. Don't do it again. Simple as, right? We've learned. We don't do it again. I've seen people calling for drinks to be banned at your seat. Uh, no drinking no, in the that's... NFL games, which is a ridiculous overreaction to that. Um, I, I would I would like to make a, a, a kind of counterpoint to that in that I think the true NFL fans, the guys that have been going for years and years, that have loved the sport, they know how to behave at a game. They're there to enjoy the football. The problem with the games in London is X amount, 20, 30% of tickets go to forms of sponsorship or um, executives or there's people that go to the games that aren't NFL fans. It's pretty obvious when you're standing in the train with them and they've got cashmere jackets and leather shoes and they're going to an NFL game and just looking at them like, what the hell are you doing? It's these kind of people that, it's the same people that they, that, that you see on social media and they're, they're talking about things like bants and yeah. you, you want to just smash your head off the concrete in a polite, a polite uh, way, not in a criminal <laughs> manner. And I think there's a lot of these people that were there that took part in it. I can understand the people asking around them, give us some cups if you've got any, and maybe 
lobbing a, a couple of rows in front of you to the guy that's collecting the snake. I can understand that, but it's the people from two tiers above yeah. that were throwing it all the way down. That was just beyond. Just, just pass it. Like when it when it happened in the XFL, you you pass it to the row in front, who passes it to the row in front, who passes it. Yeah. That's what you do. You all collect like ten or so, and you pass it down. It's just I do I do think though, and this this is the way we do things these days. Whereby you know we've got all these slightly fancy hard plastic cups because we need to have some kind of commemorative just use light plastic cups it's because they fell from the bottom so it's because oh. they fell from the bottom so they've got a filter at the bottom and there's a magnet so there's a magnet within them that makes and they're reusable as well to try and cut down on plastic waste so they make them more robust um so i i totally get your point like there, there could be a point and if you go to wembley you'll get it in a normal plastic cup um but you're not taking these home with you like you're not there'd be no reason to there's nothing on it it's just they are a bit more sturdy than your flimsy plastic cup that you would normally get if you're taking a beer outside um but yeah i mean so bob ag nomination for you guys for me it's it's the cup throwers uh the, the lot of them every single one of them anyone that passed it you get a pass Anyone that was doing the beer snake but doing it in a sensible way, you get a pass. Anyone that's lobbing it from two tiers above, as Ian says, absolute ball bag. Yes. Fine. You agree, Ian? Anyone else for notable mention? The only other possible notable mention, and it's it's not very exciting, I suppose, is, is Kembrel Tompkins uh, pleading guilty for a... Uh, uh, aggravated identity theft and nicking about £300,000 in unemployment insurance funds. Um, so the only one I could think of was a bit drier than throwing uh, beer cups at people. But Literally, because not, those cups are full of liquid. So, yeah. you know, absolutely. <laughs> um, I don't know to do, you know that you know there's like there'll be a couple of guys there going, Oh, I really want to throw my cup, but oh my pint's full. The guys <laughs> drinking as quickly as they can just so they can throw it down at somebody. There will be somebody that'll done something that stupid. <laughs> a waste. And let me tell you, those cues aren't worth doing that for good grief. No, right, okay. Well, there you go. NFL fans that threw cups at the Spurs Stadium, you are the ball bags, ball bags of the week. Um Okay, so we need to pick our winners for our competition. Um, Ian, I will let you pick the belter. Uh, Gordon, you can pick the ball bag. So I need a number between 1 and 33 from you, Ian, and then a number from you, Gordon. Oh, I was going to want 33. Let's go for Donovan McNabb, number 5. Number 5. Mike Harris. Congratulations, Mike. You win a bottle of Loch Lomond whiskey and two tumblers. Don't throw your tumblers at anyone, Mike. No, don't throw them. <laughs> Definitely don't throw your tumblers at anyone. Uh, and Gordon. I am going to go for the number of times this season that Cameron has cried about the Seahawks in group chats, which I think is Two. now 20, 28. Two. <laughs> 28. <laughs> Paul Kelly. Congratulations to Paul Kelly, who's number 28 this week. You win a pair of ball bags, ball bags, underwear. So we will reach out to you, folks. Uh, thank you for taking part. Thank you, everybody, for taking part. Please continue to do so. We're giving away the prizes every single week of the season. We're delighted to have Loch Lomond Whiskey on board. You know, we've got a very limited number of these bottles. So, you know, the best way to win will be through these nominations. Take part every single week. Same with the ball bags, ball bag underwear. Keep doing that. 
the one other thing that we're going to ask you to do at this point as well, if you're listening to this, is we've got a very small number of reviews on the Apple Store. And, and I look at other podcasts and they've got loads of them. Um, if you listen to this on an Apple device and you use the Apple App Store to get the podcast, would you leave us a review? It'd be lovely if you could. I'm not even saying leave us a five star. If you think we're a one star podcast and we talk a load of shite, put it up. That's fine. But some lovely reviews wouldn't go amiss. So if you're if you're listening to this, listen to it on uh, iPhone, Apple, uh, please leave us a review. Okay, uh, on to week seven then and some of the talking points in the NFL at the moment. And guys, one of the things that we need to talk about uh, is Dallas Cowboys. There's a lot of chat about... Dak Prescott being fully back, MVP, I'm not sure about that. But the biggest one is that the Dallas Cowboys are a legitimate Super Bowl contender. So my question to you two, especially you, Ian, because obviously this might be trickier for you to pass it through your teeth as it would be for us, but are the Dallas Cowboys a legitimate Super Bowl contender? I think they definitely are. Um, the biggest concern is how, how they can hold up with their defence and a latter part of the um, the season, but on offense, though, they look need enough unstoppable. They've got a good offensive line. Amari Cooper, CD Lamb are fantastic at receiver, and, and Prescott has surprised me because I thought there'd be a lot, a lot more um, psychological as well, physical damage from the injury that he had, but. And also the injury in pre-season that was featured in hard knocks of his shoulder. But he doesn't look like he's got any ill effects whatsoever. He's playing at a Pro Bowl level. And they do look um, frightening, especially on AstroTurf. Means to be seen, if they don't secure full home field advantage, can they go away to somewhere like um, Green Bay in January? and play the type of football that's needed to, to win there in a playoff game. But you definitely would not bet against them uh, winning the NFC East. I think you'd have to be a moron to do that. I yes, I know, I know I'm a moron and no, I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think it's interesting that, Cameron, you kind of balked at the idea of Dak as an MVP candidate. That's the, the second player I'm aware that you've balked at being an MVP candidate this year. First being Tom Brady. First being Tom Brady. He rank he ranked second and tied third in touchdowns so far yeah, this season. Yeah, 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 totally. And it just feels so Brady. I balked at after one game. Brady's in the conversation. There, there's no two ways about it. But I, um, I, I do think there are people in front of Dak Prescott. But I, the the Cowboys, I think, are a legitimate Super Bowl Super Bowl contender. The NFC's weird at the top. Right now, six weeks into the season. Any of Tampa Bay, Green Bay, uh, Dallas, Arizona, and LA. Yep. LA. Yeah. And maybe maybe the Vikings are like a late sleeper, but I'd have them, you know, below those guys because they're gonna have to come back from you know, a struggle at the start of the year. But on their day, the Cowboys can can beat any of those teams. Uh I think Ian's point's fair. Uh the counterpoint to that would be they have the offensive line. Not a massive Zeke Elliott fan, but Tony Pollard, I think, is a very good running back. You know, they have the players who I think can grind out a win if they have to. Um, and, you know, they can also use Dak Prescott a little bit in the running game if they need to. Um, so I definitely think they are 
contenders and it would not entirely surprise me if they are playing in LA in February. Just having a look at the current odds for the Super Bowl um, and, you know, from an unnamed bookie, uh, Buccaneers still favourite eleven to two. Buffalo Bills second favourite six to one. Chiefs seven to one. Ravens eight to one. Uh, Rams nine to one. Then you've got the Cardinals, Packers, and Cowboys all at ten to one. So interesting to see that they are absolutely considered in that mix. You know, after that it's a fair drop to the Browns at eighteens. Chargers at twenty. Titans at twenty. Then it's the Saints at thirty three, and the Vikings Niners at forty. Uh, Bengals Raiders at fifty. Steelers at sixty six. Then the Seahawks, Patriots, Broncos, and Colts, all at eighty to one. Carolina Panthers at hundred to one, which I guess I'm a little bit surprised at because it feels like they're not good. They're not. They're, the first three weeks drastically flattered them. Yeah, okay. they don't look good. Sam Dar- Sam Darnold went through for what about half a yard? Maybe you could throw for more yards than Sam Darnold did in the first half. Of the game. <laughs> Uh, incidentally, talking about me throwing, I reckon I could have made that Dawson Knox touchdown throw. Like, he, that wasn't a good throw. <laughs> that was, he, I could have done that. I could have done that. Do you, know why, do you know why he was so wide open in that play? I watched it back. The two defenders uh, ran into each other, and yeah. uh, there was nobody that, that came out with. Somebody was actually covering him, but then he ran into his own player, and that was it. They just both stopped dead. <laughs> It was the that ball had a lot of weight in it. It looked like a stone. Um, it was it was quite something. Um, the Cowboys' defense, though. So if we look, obviously on offense, Dak Prescott's doing well. Ezekiel Elliott looks like he's partially back to form. I don't think he's fully back yet. But the wide receiver core is impressive. You know, Dalton Schultz is contributing there as well. The offensive line is really good. Defensively, though, they're giving up a lot of points. 29 to the Patriots, 20 to the Giants, who were without Daniel Jones and Barkley for most of that game. Uh, 28 points to the Panthers, 21 to the Eagles. Fine, 17 to the Chargers. They seem to stop them. But 31 to the Buccaneers on that opening night. We're hearing a lot about the defense, but I think that's because Diggs is making interceptions. Outside of that, I'm not sure that defense is good enough to be a contender. That's probably where I would... People are going to think I'm an idiot for this. I would probably rather in today's NFL, if I had to pick, have a have a good offense and a defense that can be sloppy, but you can give me a couple of players who will make game-changing plays. It's probably where I would go. Like that was the the Chiefs formula for winning the Super Bowl and being contenders in the last few years. And I think the Cowboys have that. They have playmakers, you know, Trevon Diggs. Trevon Diggs is allowing, I think he's allowed like 400-odd yards in coverage so far this year, but has seven interceptions and breaks up a lot of passes, scores touchdowns. He's probably got Defensive Player of the Year wrapped up at this, because if he has, if he gets four interceptions over the next, what's that, 12 weeks of the NFL season, 11 games for the Cowboys, he finishes with 11 interceptions, probably wins Defensive Player of the Year. So they have the players who can make an impact on defence. They're not going to slow anyone down entirely, but their offence can score enough points. So I think it wouldn't worry me that much. See, I think for that, though, I worry about them in the postseason. I think that if you if they're going to come up against a, a shootout, which in the NFC at the moment, chances are that's what they're going to face in the postseason. Yep. Because they're going to come up against the Bucks or the Packers or the Rams or the Cardinals, all of whom I think have better offences 
and better defences, which means ultimately it's going to take something special from the Cowboys to get past any of them. I think for me, that's just where they're perhaps lacking. I think if that defence could come up a couple of notches and start making a few more really big plays, I think then, you know, if they can get to the point where they could take on a Kyler Murray and stop him, if they could come up against Brady and make Brady throw outside his comfort zone and put that pressure on, then the Cowboys are absolutely a contender because they can do it on offense. The problem is, I think if you need them to continually do it on offense, that's where they start to wobble. And I think that's where my concerns would be. So if you rely so heavily on the offense uh, to, to take you down the field again and again and again, I think that, you know, yeah, they can. But I don't know that I would want to go into the postseason relying on that at the moment. So I don't I don't really know I don't know the Cowboys defense well enough to know exactly where the areas are that need upgraded, but I do feel like there's definitely somewhere to go to to get that to a proper Super Bowl contender. I definitely think they're postseason. I think they're winning the division. I think they'll get past the first the wildcard round. After that, not sure. What about the AFC then? What about the AFC North? Is the AFC North the best division in football? We've heard a lot about the NFC West being the best division. Even the AFC West, that is the AFC North, the best division in football. Maybe. I think if you're talking about the best division in football, it's the two Wests and the AFC North. The biggest questions, Marks, I would have just now are, are the Bengals for real or even remotely for real? And how do the Browns look minus Baker Mayfield? Because I've got a hard time seeing this just being a one-week injury for Baker. It, it, the report that came out during the week was that he actually re-dislocated that shoulder twice because he's now got a fully torn labrum yeah. on his left. Not his non-throwing shoulder, but still. Um, so it's... And the weird thing is, I think the Browns can still be efficient with Case Keenum a quarterback. So if they can stay kind of around that 10 and 7 mark, the Steelers, I just have a hard time seeing that they'll be much below 8 and 9, 9 and 8. I think they'll be floating around that that point. Uh, I'm really interested to see what the Bengals can do. I, I think this this week against the Ravens is a huge litmus test yeah, for the yeah, Bengals yeah. because Joe Burrow has been playing really well. Jamar Chase has put to bed any conversation on whether or not they should have taken Panay Sewell um, instead of him. And the way they play on offense kind of makes me feel like they're not necessarily out of many games. Um, so I, they're the type of team who, there's no way you'd pick the Bengals to win the Super Bowl. There's no way I would pick the Bengals to even go on a run through the AFC if they make it to the playoffs. But I would be worried betting on any single team in the AFC to beat them in a one-off game because they have the type of players on offense that allow them to score quickly now. I, I, I think this is the this is the start of the Bengals potentially transforming into a very, very good football team. Uh, I think they've made some very good decisions on offense the last couple of years. So, so maybe. Ian? Is there a better division at the moment? Now, I mean, we talk about better division at all. We talk about quality throughout the division, but I think also competitiveness within the division comes into play here. Um, so for you, Ian, is there, is there a better division right now in football? I think the only one that really rivals it is maybe the NFC West because of how good the, the Rams and the Cardinals are, how good the Seahawks are just in any game because of how good 
Russell Williams, uh, Russell Wilson is. So you could argue it's that might be the best division um, in terms of actually maybe, maybe having a better chance of producing the, the Super Bowl contender. Uh, I would say that the Ravens are the only contender from the North and I would say that you can see both the Cardinals or the Rams possibly getting to the, the Super Bowl out of the, the West. I think for me, I can see the Browns, but things have to improve for them or not, and, and they've had a ton of injuries as well, improve on offence. I'd, I would say if you're looking at it from a Super Bowl contender perspective as well, probably take the AFC West ahead of the AFC North because the Chiefs are still Super Bowl contenders. They've not been anywhere near their best. Patrick Mahomes is still leading the NFL in touchdowns, still doing stupid things despite the fact he's not playing well. Stupid things in the positive way as well as stupid things in the negative way. Um, and the Chargers now give them another, I think, at least six weeks into the season, legitimate Super Bowl contender. I think... The scoreline on Sunday got a little bit out of hand because they went from fourth down, and that's just their their kind of mo. That's they're going to live and die by that. But both of those teams, I think, are serious playoff contenders. I think the Chiefs' defense is is pretty poor though for a team that you would hope would be making it to the the Super Bowl. Um, I'm actually quite I'm going to say glad it's not the right word, but. I felt there was too much hyperbole around um, Pat Mahomes. He's a good player, but some of the stuff that was being written about him, I thought, was absolutely overboard. We've all seen players that play well for a season and then they suddenly get rated the best quarterback the world's ever seen. And then they'll just regress back to just a, a decent level. And I think he's done, Mahomes has done the same. Um, I still think that contract he's got is absolutely ridiculous compared to the, some of the other players in the NFL. But be interesting to see who the next uh, quarterback is that's to get a, a deal done because he's going to use that um, Mahomes contract as a yardstick for his negotiations. Um, but yeah, it was quite. Uh, it's quite kind of. Um, it's comforting to see Mahomes just coming back to a normal level that you would expect of an upper echelon quarterback. Yeah. But, but the Chiefs' defense is, is atrocious for a, a team that's meant to be competing for a, a Super Bowl again. They're, I mean, they're really, really bad. And and actually, yeah. if you look at the AFC West North, it's the only two divisions at the moment with no losing records. Um, now, we're recording this before the Browns play the Broncos. Um, and we'll edit this appropriately, but... That's quite the result for the Browns, given the situation that they're in. Or, yeah, not surprised to see the Broncos win that one. Now they were dominant against that poor Browns team. Um, but it's interesting. But actually, it brings us on to the Week Seven conversation because the Chiefs are up against a tough game in the Titans this weekend. So you know they've just got themselves back onto level after a really poor start. But I wouldn't be surprised to see them lose to the Titans by any stretch of the imagination. And again, I think. To your point, Ian, that defense isn't great. Derek Henry could have an absolute field day this weekend. I struggle to say that someone should run the ball in every single play. The <laughs> Titans should run the ball in every single like for, force the Chiefs to play ten men in the box if they have to. I, I really struggle to see how those Chiefs line back. But this this is the way the NFL works. We talk about this, and Derek Henry will have like forty yards this week after this. <laughs> Defense will just come out of nowhere, and uh, but on paper, 
Derek Henry was going to run for like 250 yards in yes. that game. Yes. <laughs> 250 yards and three touchdowns. Um, I think that's a stick on. Put it, write it down. Um, it's, yeah, it's quite something. Um, and that's probably one of the best games this weekend. There's actually some really tasty matchups. But I think that Chiefs-Titans is probably standout for me as, as one of the best games of the weekend. I think it's going to tell us a lot about both of these teams. You know, how can that Titans defense do against another team that can hit them hard on offense and quickly? Can Derek Henry keep them in the game enough? Um, or are they going to find themselves on the field a lot and tire towards the end of the game and that's where they're sort of slightly more vulnerable opportunity for the Chiefs to try and punish them there? Um, what games still for you guys stand out as the as the highlights this week? I, I, I'm i going to be a little bit bored and I'm going to pick Ravens Bengals game. That's... I'm very I'm very much picking it from the Bengals perspective. I'm just I'm fascinated by the Bengals uh, development this year. Uh, before the year, I thought they could sneak in to be a wild card. They're a couple of wins away from being like a favourite to be in the playoffs. Um, and that's I don't necessarily think they have a great head coach. Um, I don't necessarily think they make all the best decisions when they're on the field. But they've just got playmakers that are very fun to watch just now. I think Joe Burrow to Jamar Chase is very entertaining. Um, the interesting thing for me is going to be whether or not they can slow the Ravens' offense. Lamar Jackson has decimated them on the ground a couple of times, and he's got better as a passer. Um, they're going to have to be good in the middle of the field in this game. But I would not like the Ravens to be in a one-score game with them late in the fourth quarter because that offense can score just like that. Ian, what is your games that you're watching this week? It's actually quite a weird kind of spread because it's most of the games seem to be a contender against a team that's a also run. Um, Seahawks Saints could be quite interesting because if the Saints win that, effectively that's the Seahawks season over, um, which you would not really have expected to be saying at, at week seven in the, the NFL season. Um, also interesting to see how Jared Goff responds with the, the Lions after comments from Dan Campbell against the, the Rams. Um, but maybe the, in terms of competitiveness, could be the, the Bears and the Bucks is uh, one of the, the nine o'clock kickoffs on Sunday has maybe been a game where you might actually have a bit closer of a scoreline than you would expect out of some of the other games where they're just vying for who gets a top 10 draft position, really. It's this, I noticed as well, because the Falcons play the Dolphins. Is this the first time we've had a team play the week after they played in London? Or has that happened before? I think it's happened before. I, I, I remember there being a bigger deal. I, I remember there being a big deal about it before, and I think there would be a bigger deal if this was the first time. Yes. Uh, it's fascinating to see if there is a hangover there. I mean, the Dolphins are disappointing anyway, but that's uh, a really tough one. Um, I'm actually interested to see how the Raiders do against the Eagles. I think, can the Raiders continue their form? Or can Philadelphia do enough to disrupt? Uh, and Jalen Hurts is playing way better than I expected him to do. So, you know, the obviously the Eagles are 2-4, and four, but, you know, win that game, uh, and that'll take a big step forward for them. So I, I think that's a really interesting tie. As much for the Raiders' story, was that just an immediate response for you to the Bronx, or genuinely, 
are are they doing better and and how can the Eagles do against that team so I think that's a really fascinating one obviously I'm interested in Colts Niners it's a save your season type game for both um I'm worried about the Niners. There's the, the injuries continue to rack up. And again, I'm worried about the team because it does feel like the Colts are kind of finding their groove now. T.Y. Hilton, apparently 50-50. I'll be quite happy if it's the, the latter 50. And he decides to rest this one out. I think you should take another week, T.Y. Thanks for listening as well to the podcast. Joe Namath and T.Y. Hilton. Uh, we've got some uh, top top listeners on here. Uh, but I agree as well with you. And I think the St. Seahawks fascinating because, you know... The Seahawks on Monday Night Football, 11-2 and two under Pete Carroll. They tend to win in these primetime games. Uh, can Geno do it? You know, we've got Geno Smith against James Winston. And that's uh Who would have thought that? <laughs> it's quite it's quite horrible that we've got the Seahawks in primetime with Geno Smith two weeks in a row. Like, it's not... Like, what, what did we do to deserve that? That's not... You know, we did our best. Against, you know, if, if uh, James keeps giving them the ball back... Um, this could this could be a game. This could be a game. I thought the Seahawks were much better with Gino than I expected them to be. They were against a, a, an okay Steelers team. Yeah, okay. Be, okay. I'll be kind. Okay. <laughs> um, okay, other news items to wrap up on before we finish. There's obviously a lot of trade rumours going on. Um, Deshaun Watson. Does he get traded? Does he get not? There's been chat about the the Dolphins being interested, a three-way ta- uh, trade with Tua ending up in Washington. Seems like maybe those rumours have been shot down now, but you know we're getting towards that trade deadline. This is where the chat's going to happen. Is Deshaun Watson getting traded, and would he be worth it? I really struggle to see how he gets traded, like how and why. Yeah. So from Miami's perspective, take it as the, okay, we can go and get ourselves an elite quarterback. Okay, I can understand that. There's flaws within that even for the Dolphins, though, because they went full Browns rebuild. Trade down, pick up extra picks, all this stuff, build a team, and then go and get your quarterback into it. Two has not played that many games, and I I am nowhere near sold in two as a quarterback. But if they just burn that idea to the ground and just go with Deshaun Watson. You know, you, you kind of change how you've rebuilt that whole thing. Again, I can understand where the where the on-field logic is. I, I'm struggling to see a world where Deshaun Watson doesn't face half a season suspension. So so maybe for the Dolphins, maybe the way they look at it is this season's gone anyway. We're one in five. Let's get him in. He's suspended for half a season. It's a tough sell to your fan base that though. Like I morally, you know, and maybe all the legal stuff will be taken care of. Even once the legal stuff's taken care of, there's a lot of fans who are going to look at that and just not feel particularly happy about it. The the issue, I think, culturally and historically in the NFL is one of severe cases of misogyny um, and um, overlooking certain misdemeanors because a player has got talent um, from the cases of what happened when uh, female reporters were first allowed into NFL locker rooms after games to what Antonio Brown may have done with women and still got a, a job in the NFL after abhorrent behaviour Kellen, Will- Kellen Winslow Jr. apparently just being a character in the locker room, but it turns out he's actually a murderous deviant. 
um, and it was all forgiven because he was one of the boys at the time. The, I think the NFL need to take a, a serious look at themselves and trying to recruit somebody who has such a serious amount of allegations against them. Um, if, the, if it is a criminal case, you're looking at... Um, he, he's going away for a long time. I mean, that's multiple sex offences. He's basically... Um, instigated. Um, if it's not criminal, if it, if it's just reputational or a civil court case or whatever, it's a tough sell when you've got X amount of your fan base being women and um, not just of being women, of being X amount of your fan base being rational, decent human beings who would want to encourage this sort of behaviour as they've all got mothers and sisters and daughters, etc. The problem for any team in the NFL at the moment is the draft does not look like it's going to supply a top echelon quarterback. So they will have to explore other avenues of getting a, a quarterback in if they feel that they do not have a franchise quarterback in the team. And that's why Deshaun Watson's name is being discussed. But I think in any other walk of life, he would be immediately discarded and not even considered. You wouldn't have... Uh, a law firm wanting to bring him in as a, a, a solicitor with those kind of allegations against him or uh, a minister, a member of government, a, a top 100, Fortune 100 company, whatever you want to talk about it, you wouldn't be employed. So I think the NFL needs to be very careful now, especially post-Me Too movement about what they actually do with Deshaun Watson. If I was a fan of Miami Dolphins and he was rooted as being the next franchise quarterback, I would be disgusted. But you've seen in Scottish football that people who have got questionable um, takes on races and women and uh, people's sexuality become um, chief executive or of the, not chief executive, the um, director of football for the SFA and then director of football for a club in the Highlands, we won't name them. Uh, but so it works in sport. I I would like to think that there'll be, you know, enough fans who would be outraged and not accept it. However, to stick with the football team, you now we've seen the what's happened with the Newcastle takeover. Fans are delighted, rightly so, to not have to deal with um Mike Ashley, but it's led to fans in Middle Eastern dress and all those things. Yeah. And Fans being interviewed talking about how the murders and stuff that happen, stuff doesn't actually matter and those things. There's the, the harsh reality is there's an awful lot of sports fans around the world, probably the majority of them, who, when it comes to sport, kind of push that morality just off to one side a little bit. Yes. Look, look, at, look at the owner of the Patriots. He was, um, he was arrested for... Uh, being at a massage parlor, and it's not a massage parlor you would actually go to to get a massage. He was, well, uh, yeah, you would get a massage, it's just of one very particular bit, yeah, very localized. I think, I, I think if you went and there was severe um, muscular or skeletal issues, <laughs> you'd be quite uh, disappointed by the level of medical help you received. But while it might be. People have got their own kind of moral take on it. It's the oldest profession in the world. And should people be able to 
exchange money for services. The reason the police were there was because uh, women were being uh, kidnapped and illegally transported and exploited. Um, it was it was a form of sex slavery. That's why they were investigating it. Um, and he's been perfectly uh, free to retain his stewardship of the New England Patriots. So you, you kind of get a good idea of what um, the NFL is all about when it comes to that. It's about bums and seats, dollars and, and tills, and they, they, they really don't give a hoot about any sort of um, social stand that they may be making. Look at look at the furor around the taking a knee because it was he's got a, a, a certain ethnicities in um, America feel like they're being exploited still, and there was a big hoo ha. You can't take a knee, etc., 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 which was completely not like ridiculous. They don't the NFL and some of the fans of the NFL don't give a crap as long as their team wins on a Sunday. That's all that matters. Which is wrong. Yep. No, absolutely. Um, lots to go with this story. We'll be interested to see what happens with Deshaun. Um, we'll continue to track and talk about any trades that do happen. Obviously, we had the Zach Ertz one this week. There will be more to come, I'm absolutely sure. Um, should we, we should just point out that we're not actually... Uh, Deshaun Watson's not being found guilty of anything. Nope. We're not alleging any guilt whatsoever. We're just saying that the allegations are horrendous yep. and anybody should take a severe pause before employing them. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, the allegations against Gordon are all 100% true. <laughs> and yet we're stuck with them. Um, okay, thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of the NFL Scotland podcast because that is the full-time whistle. Make sure that you share your thoughts on this in every episode on social media at Scotland NFL on Twitter and search for NFL Scotland on Facebook. We'll be back again next week where we'll be picking apart all the pieces from week seven as ever we'll give away your weekly awards. Keep those nominations coming. It's the best and easiest way to win some of our amazing prizes thanks to our sponsors. Uh, keep making your picks in the pick'em. We didn't give an update this week. Um, I'm tired of talking about the fact that I'm top of the... Um, podcast team but we will give an update next week make your picks do very well win that pick'em uh, crown but until next time thanks for listening enjoy your football this weekend bye for now